never seems to fail whenever I'm teaching that uh, probably the tallest person in the community is the host. <laughs> so the microphone is always coming down and I always feel very short. And that the musician and the meditation will be so perfectly aligned that I, I just, I get teary. And so um, I, I want to say thank you to Spencer and to Wayne for um, cueing this up so beautifully. Um, I've been sort of giggling to myself all week because last week when Nelika shared the title of my talk, I heard this little murmur go through the crowd. And I thought, oh good, you know, something is resonating. That's, that's cool. And then afterwards, Annie Wassman came up to me and she said, oh, when she said the title of your talk, I thought she said, when old Max no longer work. <laughs> and I, I think she said, and I got excited. <laughs> So if you were here, I thought, uh-oh, what if people think I'm going to talk about what to do with your old Mac when it's not working, and that's why they're excited. So I hope I'm not going to disappoint anyone with this particular talk. But I did have to look it up, because I do have an old Mac, old 2018, um, and you could trade, you could sell, you could recycle. <laughs> I'm doing a little public service announcement about this. You can use it to watch cat videos on YouTube. Or you can find retro game apps that let you relive the glory days of Frogger and Pac-Man and Pong, or my personal favorites, Asteroids and Space Invaders. <laughs> and what's interesting is that, it, unbeknownst to him, Jeff Crandall in the um, pre-talk mentioned something about um, operating systems. So I thought, oh yeah, okay, maps, operating systems, Max, yeah, somehow it all comes together. Because um, we are going to be talking a little bit about our operating systems and how they, um, how, what role they play in our lives. But let's get centered in the poem that I offered that it was my inspiration. And it's in your bulletin, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to read it just to get us started. So it's called Old Maps No Longer Work by Joyce Rupp. I keep pulling it out the old map of my inner path, I squint closely at it, trying to see some hidden road that maybe I've missed, but there's nothing there now except some well-traveled paths. They have seen my footsteps often, held my tears, or held my laughter, caught my tears. I keep going over the old map, but now the roads lead nowhere, a meaningless wilderness where life is dull and futile. Toss away the old map, she says. You must be kidding, I reply. She looks at me with Sarah eyes and repeats, toss it away. I think of Sarah as an ancestor to um, echo what Ruth taught us last week. She looks at me with Sarah eyes and repeats, toss it away. It's of no use where you're going. I have to have a map, I cry, even if it takes me nowhere. I can't be without direction. But you are without direction, she says. So why not let it go? Be free. So there I am, tossing away the old map, sadly, fearfully, putting it behind me. Whatever will I do, wails my insecurity. Trust me, says my midlife soul. No map, no specific directions. No this way ahead or take a left. How will I know where to go? How will I find my way? No map. But then my midlife soul whispers, there was a time before maps when pilgrims traveled by the stars. It is time for the pilgrim in me to travel in the dark, 
to learn to read the stars that shine in my soul. I will walk deeper into the dark of my night. I will wait for the stars, trust their guidance, and let their light be enough for me. I've thought a lot uh, about what, what we mean by this map. And um, it's, you know, it's clearly, it's, it's like a clear direction that we have. We, we go for a map when we're not sure where to go, when we are looking for, for something. And it's always pointing us towards a destination. Um, we don't pull it out unless we, we want to get somewhere and we're not sure where to go. And I realized as I was reflecting and in pre-talk, you know, we can talk about the maps that, that society is going through or that has inherited and that we are navigating right now on the world stage, locally. Um, there are movements. You know, anytime you see this movement, there's like a map in place. And then, of course, as Wayne was talking, you know, C3 we're, we're looking at what are our maps that got us here? What is the map that's, that's going to lead us forward? Um, I'm not going to talk about those two things. Um, I, I was more focused on like our individual level and, and what's happening for us personally as we consider our maps. And I thought about the different kinds of maps that we have. And two of them came to mind, and one popped up during pre-talk. Um, first is our origin map. And I'm, I'm making up these, these terms. Um, sort of borrowing from the way we talk about families, but our origin map. And that's the map that we inherit from our ancestors. That's what comes down to us. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our, you know, we get it from our family. We inherited these maps from our parents. How many of us have inherited maps that have to do with our parents' attitude or beliefs about money, religion, family? sex, you know, all of these different things that they pass on to us and they become patterns within us. Um, think of that, the sins of the father are visited upon the son. <laughs> the maps of the father are visited upon the son, the mother and the daughter. Um, where and when we were born, these are the maps that are our origin story, if you will. And for many of us, when we think of our origin maps, we think of religion and what we were born into and what we grew up with. And then we get our choice maps. This is our education, our career, our partner, our marriage, um, however we choose to um, move through life with someone else, where we live, our friends, and how we respond to certain inciting incidents that might happen in our lives. And then there are imposed maps, and that's what came up this morning, um, gender roles, advertising, all these things that tell us about how we should be in the world, politics and propaganda. Um, there's this interconnected influence that we have that this is another map that is overlaid on top of us. And together, all of those maps come together and they form our identity, who we are in the world. And of course, this made me think about my own origin map. I grew up in a Catholic family in Kentucky from grades two through undergrad, was the oldest of two children. We did not have a lot of money, but we had a stable and loving home. I never wanted for anything, even though I probably wanted a lot more than I could have. Um, and my early memories are imprinted with music and poetry and writing and books and coloring. I thought I'd be, at alternate times, a doctor, which is ironic now because even seeing syringe needles across the way from the Walgreens counter like makes me ill. 
So that's, that was definitely not in the cards. Um, a reporter, an artist, a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Can you see it? Can you, I, I, you know, can you see that? I, I blame uh, too many episodes of The Love Boat for that one. Um, a dancer, ballerina, and then from sixth grade on through grad school, a musician. Which all of those experiences, all of those things that were part of my growing up led to my chosen map where I went on to be you know, a music major and get a graduate degree in music, and then arts administration, and then nonprofit administration, then coaching, then writing, then photography, living in Michigan, not in Kentucky, married, but no children, and uh, not necessarily, oh, you know, do I still say I'm Catholic? I don't know. You know. That's where I was baptized. That's where I grew up. I can still get very sort of defensive of <laughs> Catholicism if somebody decides they're going to um, uh, punch holes in certain things, but I also have jettisoned a lot of it. And so, um, you know, that's, that's part of my chosen map. C3 is part of my chosen, it's part of your chosen map. And think about your earliest memories and who thought, who you thought you would be and what's different. Sometimes those old maps become obsolete because of certain circumstances and not by our choice. Someone close to us dies. We lose a job. Or straight from Ripley's Believe It or Not, we suffer from a global pandemic that upends our lives for years at a time. And then we choose to change our maps. We change schools. We change jobs. We change partners. We change churches. We change cities. And so you can see that you know, it can get confusing sometimes when we suddenly maybe realize, or maybe not even consciously, that something about the old map is not working anymore. We're bumping up against something. And the challenge is that that map is still part of us. Like even me talking and saying like, am I still Catholic? I don't know. That's like an old map that I decided doesn't work, but there's still something in me that, that has that thread in me. And, and I can't deny that. And so that tension happens when that past map bumps up against this one. And so what does happen when those old maps no longer work? And maybe it's because of where I am in my stage of life, but I think maybe this is the root of a midlife crisis. This is what happens when you get to this age and you start to realize, oh, the, what I used to believe, I don't know what I think anymore. What used to work, I don't know if it still works. And it could be, you know, that midlife crisis that's just the sort of what am I doing and becomes this existential crisis. And we experience this dissonance because our past selves don't match our expectations that we held of our future selves when we were our past selves. Did y'all follow that? <laughs> our present doesn't match what we thought we would be when we were younger. This was all crystallized for me. Is anyone here a Hidden Brain fan? So I, I highly recommend it. I love this NPR show that you can listen to as a podcast. And they had an episode fairly recently called Your Future Is Now. And one of the ideas that they presented was this idea of a failure of imagination. We think our future selves will want the same things as our present selves want. So we fail to imagine what might be different in the future. And related to that, there's an end of illu history illusion. We recognize that we've changed from the past to the present, but we think that who we are now isn't going to change much in the future. 
you can hear how that's like, hmm, what, you know, but that's maybe where we get that hindsight is 2020 kind of idea. And so we assume what I want today is what I'm going to want tomorrow. Or if we quote Popeye, the philosopher, I am what I am and that's all that I am. So, you know, we can, we start to experience some of this dissonance when we hit up against this illusion or this failure of imagination. Um, and sometimes it does come from this inciting incident of we having a divorce or a death, retirement, turning 50, um, meeting someone new, reading a particular book that really challenges or turns our worldview upside down, things that are happening in society or where our expectations don't match the reality or class reunions. Um, so we have to confront these old maps at some point. Otherwise, we, we get really stuck, like this arrested development. We don't start to move forward in our maturity. So we have to confront these maps. And that takes a tremendous amount of courage. It takes a lot of courage to see that this map is being challenged, and let alone to confront that map. It takes time and space to even realize that you're operating from an old map. I mean, this one's very personal for me because I feel like I'm just now realizing, and I was actually that hidden brain episode where I was like, whoa, okay, yeah. No wonder I'm feeling this tension between where I thought I would be or what I thought I would be doing and what I'm feeling pulled to do and what I'm drawn to and what I'm no longer drawn to. You know, there's, there's a, a lot of, I keep using the word tension because that's what it feels like. Um, and it takes a lot of resilience to be able to look at this. We have to have some reserves to sort of weather this transition to a new map. And when we're looking at these maps, think of our origin maps, if we're gonna be confronting those, there's probably something we need to come to terms with, something that we need to accept. Sometimes we have to reckon with it. Sometimes we just fight it and, you know, um, show some resistance to it, and maybe that's part of how we work through it. And through it all, we're basically trying to release what no longer serves us. And that's often probably where we end up in therapy, <laughs> right? And the chosen maps, when we confront those, that's, that can also get really messy. It's like, if I start questioning the choices I made before and the way my life is different now, I can start thinking, was I wasting my time? You know, was I wrong? Did I choose poorly? What's wrong with me that I don't want the same things that I wanted 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago? Is there something wrong with me? The impact of the loss of that old map kind of depends on how attached you were to it and how much it informed your identity. The changes and challenges that it brings and how we see ourselves also means it's going to change and challenge the way others see us, which is something that we don't always think about, but it's, it's an important piece. And I want to borrow um, a word that Spencer brought up in that song, breathe. Is it breathing? Breathing. Um, they said unraveling. And I thought, yeah, that's what it feels like. 
we, we go through and we want to have this like set ball of yarn or twine and we'd like it to be sort of nice and neat. We know where the end is that we can pull it out when we need to, but it just starts to unravel. And then like all of a sudden I'm picturing those Christmas lights. I'm mixing my metaphors, but you know, the Christmas lights that are all in the jumble and it's like, oh, how am I going to sort through this? And if that's not enough, you know, the, the impact of those maps impact our identity. It's society wants us to stay the same. It wants us to be safe and predictable, to stay in our lane. We have all sorts of phrases that we use for this kind of, you know, keep your, your nose to the grindstone or, you know, eye on the prize. Um, it's society wants us to make sure that they're clear on what's your title, you know, what's your job, what's your functional usefulness in this capitalistic system. And we're told, be all you can be. But then when we do that, people freak out. <laughs> and they try to put you back in a box. And I was so excited when I thought about this. Oh, they put you back in a box? It brings me to Barbie. So who's seen the Barbie movie? <laughs> OK, I've seen it three times. Um, it's so good, so good. And maybe you all know when I say this where I'm going, those of you who have seen it. You know, Barbie is being all she can be, you know, in Barbie land. She's got this idyllic life that's perfect and, and all of this. And then she starts to have these existential crisis thoughts because she's being influenced by someone in the real world. And so she is confronted with a choice. What is it, high heel or Birkenstock? And she needs to, like, in order to get her, uh, her high heel feet back, she needs to go to the real world. And so she goes to the real world. Of course, she finds out that things are very different than what she expected. Um, but she starts to evolve. Like, her, she's realizing, like, her, the old map isn't maybe all it's cracked up to be. It's not sufficient that there's more, that there's emotion and connection. And uh, you know, she's, she's experiencing all of these awarenesses and she goes to the Mattel headquarters. And when she confronts the board of Mattel, they're like, wait a minute, you're not what we made. We need you to be the way you were because we need to make money. And so we're literally going to put you back in your box. So you can just be Barbie and the expectations that we have for you. And fortunately, she escapes that box. I mean, they're literally like putting in her box with like, you know, bands around her wrist. And she's like, wait a minute, this isn't right. So she busts out of that box. And so that's like, I just, I love that, that um, just that story of, of, uh, breaking out of our box and, and letting go of those old maps. And more locally, um, I, when it comes to sort of old maps and seeing where uh, people are clinging to them, there's a local private school, and maybe some of you have seen it, uh, with a billboard message that's between, I don't know, Fruitport and Grand Haven as you're going towards Grand Haven. It says, the world has changed, we have not. Think about that, it's a school. The world has changed, we have not. And I'm like, thank you for being very clear on where I would never send my children, <laughs> right? Because they might as well be saying, we're gonna use the old maps forever, even though they no longer work. And I came across a really great quote that was in response to that. It's from a philosopher, Eric Hoffer. Um, he says, in times of change, learners, inherit the earth, while the learned 
find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. So as learners, and I know every single one of you in here is a learner, we can't cling to old maps. We can't cling to the old stories or the ways or the frameworks that no longer serve us. And I know that that's easier said than done. It's really hard to accept that things that we held at, you know, passionately, um, what matters to us, that that changes. I had a really interesting experience um, this past week. So, I, you know, I mentioned that I um, am a trained musician, so I play clarinet. And went through, you know, started in sixth grade, went all the way through a master's in clarinet performance at a, you know, a prestigious university that, you know, was, you know, like you had to go if you got in, basically. And, of course, my life took different turns. And so this week, the West Michigan Symphony had a solo clarinetist featured on the Friday night program and then a recital last night at the block. And I was struck, and I'm now the official photographer for the West Michigan Symphony. And so I'm backstage um, at the dress rehearsal on Thursday night, and I put my camera bag down on a table where there are other instrument cases. And I thought, isn't this interesting? That when I was growing up, you know, those years, whatever, age, you know, 10 through 23, I thought I would be back here with an instrument case. I thought I would be the one unpacking my clarinet, if not soloing, at least playing in the orchestra. And instead, I'm sitting down a camera bag. I never would have guessed that. And then I never would have guessed that I would be backstage with my camera or out in the front in the camera and watching a clarinetist perform. And even as I'm watching this and I'm backstage, I'm like noticing shadows on the floor. And I start taking pictures of the shadows while they're out there playing. I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> and what do I make of this? And, and it felt emotional. Like there was, it, it, this happens sometimes, but I think this was a time when it really crystallized for me. And I thought, what is this that I'm feeling? And is it sadness? Is it grief? Is it regret or longing or some sort of confusion? And maybe the answer is D, all of the above. But those emotions had to kind of go through me. And maybe you've experienced this yourself, like where you see somebody doing something that you thought you were going to be doing, and you think, huh, well, that's, that's curious. If that were me, what would be different? If I had kept going, what would be different? How did I get to where I am right now? And so I let those emotions kind of move through me. And it helped me to realize that they were pointing to an opportunity to use one of my favorite things that I've learned at C3 and that um, I think is, uh, even though it's not Kent's phrase, it's a, a legacy I think he left all of us, which is transcend and include. To have this sort of yes and approach to the way I was thinking about my identity in that moment. I might never play again, but I'll always be a musician. I might not ever write another book, I'll always be an author. I might never coach, I might not ever pick up a camera again, but I'll always be a coach, I'll always be an artist. Because if I were to negate those old maps, like that old map of myself as that musician, then I would be diminishing myself. I would be denying part of who I am. And if you do the same, you would be diminishing yourself. The old map is information, not identity. And it's not irrelevant. We can't just get rid of it, even if it's not working anymore. It got me here. It got you to where you are right now. And that matters. 
The challenge is realizing it won't get you there. It got you here, it won't get you there. And where's there? I don't know. So what do we do now? What do we do when those old maps, those stories, those plans, those dreams no longer work? We could just give up because we're all gonna die anyway. <sighs> we can embrace the plot twist that life script is always being edited. We can embrace the shake. This is a phrase that I picked up from one of my favorite TED Talks from an artist named Phil Hansen. Um, he, he was a pointillist artist, so very, very small you know, um, dots to make up a larger piece. And he developed a tremor um, in one of his hands, or maybe in both, I'm not sure. And so talk about throwing yourself into an existential crisis and saying, oh, this isn't going to work anymore. And so that opened up this amazing um, expansion of the way he saw himself as an artist. And so he just talked about, he, he says that it was a neurologist that gave him that phrase, embrace the shake. Why don't you just embrace the shake? And no, you're not going to be able to do the pointillist anymore. But what else can you do? And so we can embrace whatever it is that we feel like that old map has, uh, you know, that old map is now obsolete and we've got to form a new one. How can we go with it instead of resisting it? You can extend yourself grace, practicing compassion for who you are, who you were, and who you will be. You can trust the letting go. If you release an old map, trust that it is still there somewhere, and it can come back if you need it to. I thought again, I think I've shared this uh, quote from Anne Lamott before, I am all the ages I have ever been. I just love that. And you're also all the maps that you've ever been. And being an integrated whole human being means that you are all those ages, you are all those maps, and you're, you're ingesting that and owning it. And you can pull on them if and when they are useful to you. You can see your map as part of a system, that you're not a solo traveler that it's part of the bigger whole. Be alert to the questions, not the answers. I think when we're younger and those old maps, it's all about you know, finding the answer. I think as we mature and, and grow in wisdom, we're more about the questions. And I know this community certainly is. And so how can you embrace those questions? Um, those milestones are gonna be marked with questions instead of answers. So keep getting curious. To realize that maps are here for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Some of our map, this has been one of those phrases that has literally probably changed my life because it's allowed me to let go of some things that don't work anymore. Because I can, I can put it into a sort of, okay, that was there for a reason. What was that reason? How does it serve me now? What do I need to let go? Maybe a season. And some things are for a lifetime. And I think we often think things are there for a life. We think way more is there for a lifetime than really is. And that's where we, especially like friendships, people in our lives. And that can be really painful to let that go. But that's where the reason and season has really helped me. And I hope that helps you. And then transcend and include. To honor the entire journey that shaped who you are and give yourself permission to expand into new maps. Now my old map, and probably your old map, is filled with labels. 
In this case, for me, it was musician, coach, entrepreneur, nonprofit executive. Those were all destinations that I was traveling towards. And now I feel like I only have a single destination, to be as fully Beth as I can be, to travel by the light of the stars and transcend and include the old map as I create a new one. Who besides me loved choose your own adventure books? Either as a child or you know, with your with your kids. I loved those. And I feel like it's time to get back to that view on life. My adventure is becoming Beth. Your adventure is becoming Leslie and David and Joyce and Valerie and Phil. That's your adventure. It's the only label that really matters. And it goes against the grain, and it's uncomfortable for me because I like to put labels on things because then I, I know what I'm dealing with. But I'm, I'm trying to become comfortable with this idea, like if you were to ask five different people who's Beth, you might get five different answers. And it's like, huh, that's kind of cool. I, I like that. I, I feel a little resistance, but I also like it. So becoming you is really the only job that matters, to let go of the labels and those titles and stop trying to name it, it being you, and just be it, be you. I hope you take some time to reflect on your old maps, whether those are origin, chosen, imposed, to see where you're attached to old stories and where that might be holding you back from choosing your own adventure. What would it mean to be free? Can you let your maps become an atlas, full of adventures and misadventures and stories and plot twists? Let the de destinations kind of take you off the page and into some really wild and unknown places. There was a time before maps when pilgrims traveled by the stars. It is time for the pilgrim in me to travel in the dark, to learn to read the stars that shine in my soul. I will walk deeper into the dark of my night. I will wait for the stars and trust their guidance and let their light be enough for me. Thank you. <laughs>